You might like to turn to uh, Romans chapter 8. We will be reading from there presently. And uh, we'll be ready for that uh, whenever uh, we, we, we reach that point in the talk. One of the great privileges that I have had um, being an anethorist is that I have gotten to save people's lives. And recently I was talking uh, in preparation for Easter services in a, in a church in uh, Coleraine at home. I was uh, speaking and on a similar subject to this. And uh, after the service, this lady came up to me and uh, she said to me, Dr. McGann, you saved my life. And I never got the opportunity to thank you. And I didn't recognize her at first, but whenever she started to relate the story of what had actually happened, um, I indeed did save her life. And it was very humbling to sit there and talk to this lady and to realize how thankful she was to me for giving her back her life. And as we come to this subject this morning, the great giver, the story I have just related is a very poor illustration of what God has given us. He has given us life through the creation, but he has also given us eternal life in the new creation. And we might ask the question in terms of the great giver, who is the great giver? I want to suggest to you, first of all, that God is the great giver because God gave the Son. I also want to suggest to you that the Son is a great giver because he gave his life. We can ask ourselves the question, why do we need a great giver? There are two consequences of sin. The first being, and this is really perhaps maybe an oversimplification, But the two consequences of sin, first of all, we are exposed to divine wrath and we are excluded from the divine presence. And we need the great giver because there are two aspects to the finished work of Christ. First of all, there is redemption delivering us from from God's wrath. And then there is reconciliation securing unhindered access to God's presence for eternity. In the evangelical background that I came from in Northern Ireland, uh, we have this little acronym, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. I often thought that it was and a very good way to help the Irish to spell the word grace. Another way, perhaps, of of thinking of grace um, is in this way, that we receive what we don't deserve. And you will all, I'm sure, know Ephesians 2, um, that Grace is the gift of God, not of any man, lest a man should boast. 
And so as we uh, focus now on the great giver, I want to read to you a couple of verses from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I want to suggest four things that we find in this verse. First of all, we have the Christ. Then we have the cost. Then we have the compassion. And finally, we have the communion. And I will be considering uh, the verse under those four headings. First of all, we have the Christ. I want you to notice from the verse that Paul here refers to not a son, but his own son. And when we think of uh, that particular description of the Lord Jesus, um, surely our minds... Uh, go to, for instance, John chapter 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the unfortunate thing with this particular word begotten um, is that it is, it is not clear to us in the English language what it actually means. We take from the Old Testament, you know, Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac begat and then somebody else begat and all this goes on through the Old Testament. We uh, assume that it means the equivalent of being born or having beginning. And yet the word really uh, stresses the uniqueness of relationship, not so much the beginning. And so this term begotten actually uh, gives us an, the, an indication of the relationship that there was between the Father and the Son within the Godhead. And it emphasizes to us as we come to think of the fact that he gave his Son what a great sacrifice that was for God. And then, um, I'm sure our minds can turn to uh, another way in which the Scriptures describe the Son. He is the beloved Son. And in, in Mark 3:17, for instance, um, God speaks from heaven. These are not words that came through someone else uh, by inspiration, as most of the Bible has come to us. This was God speaking directly. This is my beloved Son. This is my beloved Son. And there never was a Son. There never has existed a Son like God's own Son. And yet He gave Him. He gave Him for us. Turn to the cost. First thing that we uh, get from the, 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 the reading that we got is that God spared not his own son. There was no mercy asked. John 18:11, Jesus tells his disciples, "This cup shall I not drink it?" There was no question of him turning away from the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, did he not pray, Not my will, but thine be done. So no mercy was asked, and none was shown. 
And when we go back to, to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, in verse 5, uh, the prophet um, phrases it like this, He was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. And later on in the chapter he says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. No mercy asked. No mercy shown. God spared not his own son. And he delivered him up. The figure here of this world, word I understand. I'm not a Greek scholar. But I understand that the, the picture here is of something being poured into a mold. So that it takes the shape of that mold. And as I reflected on what Paul perhaps was thinking about and when he used that particular word, my mind went back, of course, to, to Psalm 22, where um, the, the psalmist, um, prophetically, messianically, says, My soul, or I, was poured out like water, using the same physiology as Paul uses here. And indeed, if we don't stretch the, the analogy too far, we can think of Paul, what he said to the Corinthians, whenever he said to them that he was made to be sin for us, who knew no sin. He was delivered up. God spared him not. He was delivered up. Things seem to have stopped. Right, the son gave his life. First of all, I want us to focus on the fact that the son gave his life as a ransom. We were sinners in the bondage of sin and we needed to be set free. We of ourselves could do nothing to achieve that. And it was achieved by the son who gave his life as a ransom. He also tells his disciples in John 10, those well-known words, I lay down my life. I have the authority to do it and I have the power to take it again. And so we understand how Jesus, in this voluntary way, went to the cross for us and gave his life. Paul, in the first chapter of Galatians, uh, says that he did this for our sins. And then later on in the book, he says, he did it for me. The Son gave his life for me. I want you to reflect on that a little as we move on and think of the compassion. The fact that it was for us all. As we think of all of the gifts that we have received, I wonder what our most valued gift might be. What is our most valued gift? It not necessarily will be the most expensive. Cost does come in to a gift. But that may, may not necessarily be the important thing. Although Peter does reflect on the cost, he says that we are not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver or gold, 
but the precious blood of Christ. What a purchase. What a purchase. But very often, it is the thought that counts. We cannot afford the gift that we would like to give. And what we give is a token of our thought for the person to whom we are giving it. But we do not often give the way God gives. The great giver, God commended his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. It's hard for us to give to those that we don't like, don't love. And yet God spared not his own son. The son of his love, he spared him not for us all. And often, some of the most precious gifts to us are those gifts which have required a certain amount of effort on the part of the giver. Sometimes when we are clearing drawers out in our home, Valerie and my wife and I will come across some of the little things that my daughters at various stages made for us. They couldn't go out and buy things. They were too young. But they made little things to show their love and appreciation to their mum or their dad. And we treasure those things. And as we think this morning of the Lord Jesus and all that he did for us, it says that he set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. And he went there. He endured suffering. He endured the cross. He endured the fact that so many despised him and mocked him. And he did all those things out of compassion for us. And it just doesn't end there. For we also read in this verse that with him graciously gives us all things. We've entered into a new and living way as the writer to the Hebrews puts it. And indeed, when we go to the book of Ephesians, we discover that he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. The great giver keeps on giving. And as we enter into salvation through the death of Christ on the cross and our acceptance of that by faith, he makes us his adopted sons. He brings us into his family. He gives us an inheritance which is prepared for us. And the blessings and what he wants to give us just keep coming and coming and coming. And he does it all because of his son. And as we think of the great giver, I want us to think 
I want us to think of what our response might be. We thought earlier of the lady who, who came and wanted to thank me for what I had done for her. When we come to know all of the things that we have come to know, we've come to know about the great gift. And when we see that great gift, we come to expect that there is a great giver. Still can't get that next bit to work. Um, we expect that there is a great giver. But should there not also be an expectation of great gratitude? When I was a student at university, I went off to America for four months to work. And while I was there, I met up some, with some friends of our family and uh, was invited out to a 21st birthday party. And uh, I suppose it was a typical American 21st birthday party, all the razzmatazz and all the rest of it. And uh, I couldn't quite hack all of it, but anyway, um, there we were. And uh, the moment came... When their mother and father presented to their daughter, age 21 that day, their special gift for her 21st birthday. The gift that she would remember and treasure and keep for the rest of her life. And, you know, in typical American style, she, you know, was ripping off the, the wrappings of, of this little parcel. And uh, there was a little, a little case, like a little jewellery case. And she opened the case. And what happened next was the most astounding thing I have ever witnessed. She started to scream and shout. But not in joy at the pre present that she had just received. But in horror. And she fired the thing away from her. And it landed close to where I was standing. And what landed near to me was a little box with a beautiful string of pearls. And there was horror, embarrassment, and whatever else you can imagine uh, for a situation like that. And nobody knew what to say. And as she got herself gathered together from what obviously to her was a big shock, we could hear her saying, Pearls are for tears. Pearls are for tears. And can you imagine, you know, what it, that, that those parents must have felt like under those circumstances? Having gone out and sought the best that they thought they could buy for their daughter for her 21st birthday. And yet, it was rejected. don't know how the incident eventually resolved itself because I was whisked away. <laughs> People didn't want to stay in the atmosphere. But if we could get this verse up, <laughs> nothing happening. Nothing there. 
Well, we'll turn to it then. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. How did Christ love us? He gave himself for us. And how did God view that death on the cross? He viewed it as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. If I had said to you that your response to the great giver's giving of his only son was to walk in love, I trust that every one of you would have rejected that as an appropriate or even as an adequate response to what he has given to you. Because there is a standard set. And our walk in love is not as how we might see we should walk. For then it could be anything from useless liberalism to useless Phariseeism. But the standard has been set for us. A standard of a life given in love. A life given in love which has risen into the Father's presence as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. And I want to suggest to you this morning that nothing less will do We have an opportunity shortly when we take these emblems to remind ourselves afresh of a broken body and of shed blood. We have an opportunity to return our thanks to God and to our Lord Jesus Christ for having done that for us. But what about later? What about tomorrow? What about next week, next year? Will our gratitude continue? I forgot to tell you. I saved that lady's life two years before she got the opportunity of thanking me. Two years from now, will you still raise your voice in thanksgiving? Will your Christian walk be constant and consistent? with what the great giver has given you. So, walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So I'll be just by in a moment of prayer.
Father, you have promised to bless us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in our Lord Jesus Christ. Just ask that you will make that promise real to us this morning. And make our walk consistent and constant. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to you in our heartfelt recognition of what you have given your only Son spared not and delivered up how thankful we should be. May you bless our your word to us this morning. And may we, in gratitude, live our lives consistently and constantly before you, remembering we don't compare ourselves with one another, but we compare ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ that love by which he gave himself for us. May it be so for his namesake and for his glory. Amen.